Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring them out, Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay and Young Vander. Welcome to the show once again, Fantasy Football Fiend family, Triple F family. I am so elated. We have made it through. It is finally football time. I don't know how y'all feel, but man, it, it feels like I've been through hell and high water just trying to get from last season to this season, but we have made it. I got my man with me on the show, Young Vander. Holler at the people young vander what's going on out there fantasy fiends got my man bro joe on the show holla at him joe what's going on fantasy fiend family let's go yo i want to do a quick shout out to my man boss hog for blessing us with the new show intro thanks so much for that boss you can check him out on youtube boss hog h-a-w-g boss b-o-s-s hog h-a-w-g check him out he liked that i promise you we got so much in store for you today we got your rapid fire 10 with your start sits in there we got your news and then we're gonna have your say it with your chest segment where we are making our bold predictions we're letting you guys know what we feel could happen if everything falls the right way. We're excited to hop into it. Let's go. First up, your news. All right, all right, all right. Let's go ahead and start off with the news. Oh, man, there's so much going on right now in the news. Where do we start? Um, we'll, we'll save the, it looks like Cuba Hubbard of the Panthers. He's carving out a role not only as the backup to CMC, but also it looks like he's likely to return kicks. They want to use kind of some of that explosion uh get him some game time experience without him necessarily getting very many reps behind Christian Sunday to Sunday. But um, it looks like they're going to be using him in that facet. Naeem Hines, he's listed as the number two back, which I believe he was last year. So that's not surprising. But the news, if you will, is that his coaching staff is indicating that they kind of want to get him several more touches this year uh, to the chagrin of the Jonathan Taylor owner. So uh, do you think that the additional touches that the coaches are trying to work out for Himes is going to end up uh, negatively affecting Jonathan Taylor? Or is it just going to be Marlon Mack is on the shelf and he's getting, you know, all the touches pretty much between two backs? How you, how you guys think that's going to work out? I think Marlon Mack is still working his way back from the injury. Mm. So I really think that the, the carries will be split between the two guys. I still see uh, Taylor as the same back. Uh, no matter what the news came out about Hines, I know when they still get closer to the end zone, Taylor be the guy punching it in. So I'm not really worried about that too much. I just think this is a testament of Mac is not ready to start the season. They're going to be working him in slowly. So Hines will probably get the majority of those touches. I still see the split maybe 70-30. Oh, yeah, same here. I think Hines is just a great running back. He's he's at a good age to give you a good return um, on his skill set. He's not like McKenzie that's super old. He's younger uh, back, and I think they complement each other so well, but – Jonathan Taylor's about to get get 
go crazy. I think 70-30, like Vander said, is a great split. I don't see it changing his role at all. Okay, okay. Um, DeAndre Swift is cleared for week one. Um, his groin issue doesn't seem to any longer be an issue per his coach, Dan Campbell. Are you guys now confident or as confident as you may have been prior to the injury in Swift, or is it still a wait-and-see approach? Hmm. Um, I'll put it to you like this. It, it may It's going to be a split there, of course, but I think that number is going to be a lot closer than 70-30, like I just said with the guys in Indiana. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a 60-40. I really think Williams, they're going to really take advantage of his pass-catching ability, third downs. I could see Swift being the early guy, but I think Williams is going to get a lot, a lot of, a lot of playing time this year. And in those, he's going to be probably a, a nice little gem in some PPR leagues. Okay, I like it. I like it. What you got, Joe? Oh, yeah. I think Swift is going to come on and have a stronger – I only want to say second half. I think because of the injury, I can see it it'd be clearly being a timeshare for the first few games. But I think over the haul – this guy is ready to, to go off. Towards the end of the last season, we saw a lot of the backs he was going to be. And I think now it's the the season. He might not start off. I think it's going to be really close because of the injury. They're going to monitor him, his reps and everything. But he's going to be the top back. He, he can do everything. Another thing, uh, I think their defense is going to have an effect on Swift's playing time. What I mean by that? The defense is horrible. I think they're going to be playing from behind a lot. So I could very well see Williams on the field a lot of those times, especially two-minute drills and playing from behind. I could see Williams getting a lot more burned than expected. It looks like uh, Dallas is creating a little more cap space yet again. They they got something up their sleeve. They, they're, they're trying to do something. They, they, uh, first, it was last week, it was Zeke restructuring. This week, it's Dak restructuring, and $6.25 million of his 2021 salary is converted into a signing bonus, which creates an extra $5 million in cap space for the Cowboys. I believe the um, change that Zeke made created somewhere, give or take, in that same vicinity. So, the Cowboys are now working with somewhere in the neighborhood of just north of 10, 10 mil in cap space, which going back to what we were discussing um, a couple of shows prior, they, they have more than enough money now to go out and, and grab a, a Stefan Gilmore type cornerback to shore up that secondary to kind of pair up with that better than good offense that they already have. So stay tuned. That that has got something up their sleeve. They're, they're about to make a move. It may not be necessarily for that guy, but I just know the secondary is where I would kind of fill in a, a hole if I was them. Do you think this is just smoke or do you think it's fire? I think it could be fire. I don't think it's going to be the right fire, though. I think they may be trying to save us money to make a splash, and I don't think they need a splash. They need to take that money and spread it around because they got a lot of holes on their defense. They need to take that money and spread it around versus trying to make one big splash for one player. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. But uh, it, it is kind of alarming back to Zay's point because they, I think with Zeke Dill, it put him at about $12 million in cap space after that one. And then this one went ahead and opened up another $5 million in cap space. And that's over the next two years that, as far as that cap space. So, A, they're trying to sign Gallup. They might be trying to then, like you said, go after a Gilmore because they're not being the Vanden, uh, Vanden, Vanden Esch, the linebacker. They're not bringing yeah. him back. They declined his option, so I doubt it's for him. So they're either trying, like you said, sign somebody. I thought they declined or, Gallup's option. They're still trying to figure out what they're gonna do with Gallup. But I mean, Joe, Joe, you, Joe, you bring up a good point though because I'm thinking about people they can bring in. They have a couple of people that are coming up on contract that maybe they're trying to figure out a way to sign their own guys. Traditionally, that happens with Dallas is. 
Um, you know, they draft their guys and then they overpay their guys and, and they don't really bring in too many notable free agents that cost, you know, a, a good bit of money. They, they 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 normally hold on to the people that have kind of grown up within that system. But I, I didn't even think about it from that particular standpoint. Looks like Tevin Coleman is listed as the top back on the depth chart for the Jets. Um, is this a reaction due to the injury that Carter occurred earlier? Maybe that kind of took him out of practice a little bit. Because I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, both Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson are both the head of Carter on the depth chart now. So do we think that this is just a circumstantial type of a situation? It looks like Michael Carter is likely to be in line for the you know backfield work if they go to a true committee. And if they go to a true committee, do you want to mess with any of them? So I'm gonna take the wait and see approach. I think Coleman just has the the lead now because he has more familiarity with the offense. So I, I would take a wait and see approach. You may see Carter come on a lot later because I don't see Tevin Coleman holding up now 17 games now. True. He can barely hold on 16, so having an extra game. I don't see him holding on the whole season. So I think Carter sees somebody that you would see uh, maybe explode more in the second half of the season. Yeah, I just think with Michael Carter, I just I feel as though Tice, uh, Ty Johnson and Coleman are just they're just breakaway track runners. You know what I mean? Whereas with Michael Carter's skill set, he's he doesn't have that skill set to take it to the house. But he's a lot like Devontae Freeman, uh, where he can break a lot of tackles. He's great inside runner. And I think, you know, with them, they're just trying to go for the flash, the splash plays right off the bat. But like we said, Coleman can't stay healthy. And Ty Johnson, I just, even if he did good in preseason, that's all it was to me is preseason. I don't want a part of it until somebody really distinguishes himself. Cause even without injury, I just don't think Coleman gets it done. He had the opportunity back when Devontae Freeman got hurt and he had that really significant injury just three seasons ago. He failed to capitalize on it and show any type of, you know, separation between him and being a starter in this league. So I'm, I'm off of I'm off that backfield. Same team. It looks as of today that Elijah Moore has been listed as a starter on the week one uh, depth chart. Uh, this is one of the guys that kind of touted as being one of those guys that can come out of nowhere and help you win a fantasy championship. Joe, I know that you were the one that kind of put me on as far as this guy was concerned. So is this right where we should be? Did it take a little longer than you thought it was going to take? What's your feel right now for Elijah Moore? I just think it was just confusion. You know, what I mean by confusion is they didn't want to kind of play their hand to who will be starting. I think his injury kind of set him back. Uh, he was a little nicked up during not the beginning of preseason. So he missed a considerable amount of time with that. But Jamison Crowder, he had to restructure to kind of have a play in this offense. And I think obviously after Corey Davis, like you spoke to, I think the episode before last, this guy is the second guy to them. But also, too, he's a significant playmaker. And if it's anybody you want to definitely have on your team now, I would say go get him right now. I don't think he'll – by week four, we'll know what his floor is. And I think by that time, you can't even get him off waivers. Do you think that Jamison Crowder um, being available to play on Sunday, do you think that, that that news just came out recently as well? Do you think that's going to affect him or Jamison is just going to kind of be a body that will be there to spell the starting wide receivers? Jamison's a body. 
especially for third down, you know, considerably, like I said, he had to restructure to have a job. They were not going to keep him, had no plans to keep him unless he did restructure. So that really bolts for their confidence in him. And it speaks to what Elijah Moore was able to do coming into OTAs and rookie camp, the kind of player he was. So it was going to happen. To me, it was bound to happen. He was going to start off the number two receiver. I just didn't think they'd be bold enough to say it. I thought they'll kind of like, you know, will him out there and then we'll just see the big plays and we'll see how their offense operate. But they just came out and said it already. Um, Looks like there's a couple of injuries going on with the Buccaneers right now. I'm not exactly sure how significant they may be. Uh, But Chris Godwin, he was uh, added to the Buccaneers injury report with a quad injury. And Antonio Brown set out of practice with a knee injury. Um, Is this just want to make sure my veterans go into the season um, fresh as possible? Or is this one of those, you know, we might want to actually pay attention, especially when we're talking about soft tissue injury. As far as Chris Godwin is concerned, the knee for Antonio Brown um, doesn't seem to be quite as much of a hiccup. But um, Vander, how how do you think this is going to affect, especially being that they have an early game? I mean, this is Tuesday practice that they're being held out of. Or is it because they have an early game on Thursday? Uh, It's just business as usual. Um, He's just taking a page out of Bill Belichick's playbook. Uh, Like he had Tom Brady on on the injured list for a whole season, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's it, it just one, it's just <laughs> one of those true. things where maintenance, I wouldn't look at, you know, look too far into it. I mean, the coach just came out and said, AB looks like AB from four or five years ago when he was in Pittsburgh. So do you have the same feeling for Josh Jacobs? Who's um, missing practice time right now. Um, says Josh Jacobs was absent from a second straight practice um, on Tuesday. So he missed both Monday and Tuesday, but his um, injury was unspecified. Um, so he isn't expected to return to the field until Thursday, but is this significant enough that you may want to kind of go grab, uh, Drake, Kenyon Drake, um, as no. a, as a flyer, or is this just, again, business as usual? I think if you're a Jacobs owner, you may want to have Drake, you know, just in case when it gets down to game time, but. I would wait till Thursday practice and see, you know, especially Friday. You know, if they don't, if they miss Thursday practice, you want to be a little weary. But if you miss Friday, chances are you might not play because that's like the walkthrough, the dress rehearsal, whatever you want to call it. So I think since it's an unspecified thing, it it could be like a personal reason. That's true know? too. So I wouldn't look too far, you know, too much into it. Again, if you have Jacobs, make sure you have Drake as the backup for sure. Joe was talking about Irv Smith, Vander. You um, gave us quite a bit of information on Chris Herndon. Right now, Chris Herndon is listed as the number three tight end is this just a formality because he's just showing up or do you think he may be able to overtake um tyler conklin and brandon dillon I'm, I, I don't even know who brandon dillon is to keep 100 so i'm pretty sure he can overtake him yeah um but do, do we think that herndon may end up being the number one tight end or is conklin pretty solidified in his role as it as it currently stands, Herndon would definitely end up the number one tight end. I okay, mean, he just yeah, he, he's the most talented guy there. They just spent a high draft pick for him. Uh, he just don't know the playbook yet. So I still wouldn't be surprised if he plays maybe even ten plays this game. You know, uh, some set things and let him run some set routes and little small things like that. But he's got to get more comfortable with the playbook. And I would say probably by week three, he'd probably be starting. Let me add something to this before we say business as usual. The Las Vegas Raiders are working out carry on johnson does it concern you that now they're attempting to add an additional back to their backfield on top of jacobs whatever his undisclosed situation is no i'm not really concerned okay i mean people get workouts all the time and it's kicking tires 
And it could be, you know, we'll just take some notes down and maybe we revisit this thing later. Now, so. with that part, I'm kind of worried because Richards was was a great third back. You know what I mean? Like they used him heavily in that offense. And I, I figured him to be not the third down guy because Kenya can get it busy. But if you needed somebody to be a scat back to get a lot of receptions and stuff like that, you already have Richards. Drake has already proven he can handle a subsequent workload. But that is kind of big for me. Uh, I mean, it's something for us to watch Friday because Friday is when they generally kind of put out like close to like, you know, whether they're going to be questionable, whether they're going to be doubtful. I think he might go into the get the week into Sunday as questionable. But if they can carry on, I don't know, because like I said they already have Drake and Richards, which are two good backs. You want they, they, still have, they also have Peyton Barber. They oh, did yeah. just pick up Peyton Barber. So, that, that's yeah, why I but, don't... but I want to say Jalen Richard ended up getting injured. And if I'm not mistaken, it was a, a season ending injury. Okay. Um, when you guys can can Google that right quick, but I'm I know he got hurt. I'm not one hundred percent on the the length or the or the projected length that he's gonna be out, but I, I wanna say it was a long amount of time. And this was when they went and got um when they picked up Peyton Barber, which was interesting yeah, because he's not a pass catching it. back. So yeah, he's out indefinitely. Okay. Okay. It also looks like, I, and this was pretty, um, pretty significant. Latavius Murray was cut by New Orleans. So this is a mm-hmm. two-part question here. The first thing that I thought when Latavius Murray was cut was Le'Veon Bell better be for damn sure glad that it happened when it did, because I don't think he ever would have got that call if Murray was cut first. Right now, I think that Latavius Murray would, would be a better fit uh, for several teams than some of the running backs that are currently there. I think he can go take the starting job in Atlanta right now. So, I mean, there, there's a couple of spots that he can go and it can really disrupt some things. Based on where we were up to today, Davis owners were pretty confident in comparison to where they may have been earlier on in the offseason, not knowing, you know, whether or not there was going to be another back of significance to come about. Another backfield, uh, the Buffalo Bills, he would be the best running back in their backfield. There, there are just several teams that he can go and um, he, can, he can take over. So it may Maybe a, a blessing as well as a curse as far as New Orleans cutting them. But the second side to this is Tony Jones Jr. is now the top backup for Alvin Kamara. And his skill set is a little bit more in the vein of an Alvin Kamara, which is to say he's a little bit better of a pass catcher than your Latavius Murray type. So you guys give me your opinion as far as what you think is going to happen with Latavius Murray. And also is Tony Jones Jr. now that he's the top backup and we know that New Orleans is going to be running a little bit more than normal based on the uh the changeover from drew Brees. do we think that uh tony jones is worth the pickup as well so what's your opinion uh barry as far as latavius and tony are concerned? Uh, as far as latavius murray go i think the baltimore ravens still can be in on that uh levion was just only signed to the practice squad so mm. that doesn't really mean anything at this point i'm i'm one of those owners where i'm going to be monitoring this situation and see where he falls at because this could be a real steal for someone like you said Latavius, he's coming off his best season. He's he averaged like 4.5 yards a carry last year and another 7.7 yards a catch. So it's a lot of teams that can that can use a Latavius Murray. Absolutely, uh, for sure. Uh, so I'm definitely watching this situation. Like you say, Buffalo would be a great place. Uh, Baltimore would be a great place. Hell, even Jacksonville Jaguars can can use him. You're right. He definitely over, better over than Duke Johnson and Hyde. You know, yeah. guys like that. So it's a couple teams that can use them. I think if you're in a deeper league, you definitely want to give Tony Jones maybe a pickup. To me, this spells we're going to see a lot of Alvin Kamara. We're going to see a ton of Alvin Kamara. 
Uh, I don't think I don't think he's gonna come off the field very much this year. I, I don't I don't see I how mean, he can. I mean, he's the best right. pass catcher and the and, and obviously right. the best running back. But so. you know, over the years, he's been sharing loads even when Ingram was there. Yep. It's, you know, he, he probably played forty percent of the snaps some games. You know, fifty. He's gonna get the load this year. I think we're gonna see one of those uh, Christian McCaffrey type usages when it comes to Alvin Kamara this year. So if he's on your team, this should be good news for you. Once you see Latavius got cut, you should be more a lot happier with your your pick. I think uh, really what it comes down to Murray there's two parts of that I think genuinely Jones Jr. was playing considerably better than him considering what his role is with team I love Murray he averaged obviously you know five yards a carry seven yards a clip catching the ball at the backfield but they must have saw something this kid because his job was in question even going into preseason because I guess how this kid was playing but Jones Jr. doesn't really wow me you know like he because again you know obviously for the show we don't go by what what some Somebody could be. We don't project them. We just give the hard facts. He could be a, a similar Jones, a Thomas Jones that we remember from the Jets. Mm, okay. But considering Alvin Kamara's capabilities, what he can do on the field, I just don't see him using him in confidence as much because he's a pretty slow, straight line guy. Let's be honest. He ran a 4-6 and, you know, that's not really vindictive of much. Even if we look at it, it's like 10 seconds. It's not, you know, compared to like the league high. So we know he's a bruiser. Obviously, we know he gets it done between the tackles. He is a little shifty, good out the backfield catching and blocking, which is a great reprieve for Kamara to come off. Not saying Kamara can't block, but at least we know he can get that done blocking. But it was a cat move. You know, they were one of the highest. That's what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was about to say. Aside from the Eagles, they were like the second highest team with cap issues. So they had to do something. I think with Latavius, though, he's he reminds me of Ingram last year with the Ravens, where it's just like age is starting to tell regardless of how efficient he is on the field. So it was just one of those things. I'm okay with Jones Jr., I guess. But his skill set doesn't leave a lot to be desired to say if something happened to Kamara, then he's going to have a prominent role. Eh, I don't think that much. A few other pieces of news here. Danny Amendola is now a Houston Texan. So the Houston Texans now have an additional wide receiver. And also Andre Miller is back in practice. Um, they didn't know if he was actually going to play for the season. He hurt his shoulder in preseason, but he's back in practice. Uh, you got Jimmy Garoppolo, which this is no no news to most, but Jimmy Garoppolo at least begins the season atop of the depth chart. Our biggest news, you got Le'Veon Bell signing with Baltimore after Justice Hill got hurt and he's going to be out for the season so Baltimore has already lost two of their uh, top three running backs on the depth chart to a season-ending injury. So do you guys think that this is the spot for Le'Veon to regain his name of old? Or do you think that this is a situation to whereas they just want insurance and Gus is going to be the guy and uh, Tyson Williams is still going to end up being the second guy? They just kind of brought in Le'Veon for the sake of it? Or do you think that they're actually going to give Le'Veon Bell significant touches. Joe, Joe, what's your thoughts on Le'Veon? Him being on the practice squad, no one should be like pressing the alarm button. Oh, he's not ready. He's not this, not that. A part of the COVID, like the COVID protocols, kind of, he's kind of in line with that starting off on the practice squad. Of course, they got to do, um, you know, obviously finished out the physical and the stuff like that, but he wasn't going to play this week. So that honestly just kept an honest roster spot available. Now going to the questions, Gus's role is Gus's role. I think Tyson kind of locked in his role behind Gus. The thing is, if Gus becomes injured, 
Le'Veon Bell, to me, looks very enticing from that standpoint. And I think eventually they're going to get him involved in their pass catching role sooner than later. Because I, I, we have to look at it. He's probably the best pass catcher, even if Dobbins is on the field. His skill setting, how he catches the ball is, we got to think about it. He has the best treads on, as far as treads on his tie the last two seasons. He hardly got used in, a bit in with the Jets. And then last year, before that, he set out. So we talking about somebody who always stays in shape, so we don't have to worry about his football acumen. It's a good stash for him for the Ravens. He, like I said, if something happened to Gus, I will definitely love him from that standpoint. What you think, Barry? I agree with uh, Joe one hundred percent. I think Gus is going to be Gus starting out. I think Williams is going to be Williams starting out. And if one of those guys can't hold up, then watch out. That's when Le'Veon coming because uh, if Gus was to go down, Tyson is not going. to keep Le'Veon off the field. It's just not going to happen. Facts. You facts. know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, he's just too talented. I mean, like Joe uh, mentioned, I mean, this guy may be the best wide receiver on the team, and that's including Sammy Watkins and Hollywood Brown and all those other guys. I didn't even think about that part. I mean, they, they could literally put him as a slot wide receiver. Right. Like, they don't they like, have he's, to put he's him that, He's that good of a wide receiver. I don't want to jump out the window and grab him, per se. I think if you're a Gus Edwards owner and you have a roster spot, you might want to hold him. But I would like, like, what's that? What's that little saying you like to say? You say I like to be a day early. Uh, yeah, what's the yeah, thing that you say? Hey, look, you rather be a day early than a day late. Right. So <laughs> it, this is one of those things. Like, yeah, we can sit here and wait for injury to, to occur, but man, I'd rather be early on it. If you are Gus uh, Edwards owner for sure. And I believe that about wraps up the news. Rapid Fire 10. Rapid Fire 10. Rapid Fire 10. We got 10 questions, 10 quick answers. Fantasy owners want to know. We're going into week one, so this episode is geared more of the who do I start out of the two. So let's get straight into it. Do I start Mac Jones going against the Dolphins or Sam Darnold going against his old team in the New York Jets? I'm going to go with Sam Darnold. I'm going Darnold as well. Do I start Rondell Moore or Armand St. Brown? This week, I, I would have to go with Amon Ross St. Brown only because he may actually be the most talented receiver on his team. I do know that Hopkins is the number one receiver on his team and that unless Green gets hurt or until Green gets hurt, he's probably going to have that number two receiver job locked down. And, you know, there's also Christian Kirk. So I believe by season's end, Rondell Moore would definitely have a, a role carved out, but we're talking about week one. So I'm going to go with the guy that's probably going to get more volume. And as we always say, volume is king. So let me remind you real quick before Joe goes, the Lions are playing the 49ers and the Cardinals are playing the Titans. Garbage time counts too. Okay. The 49ers are going to beat the brakes off them, boys. You know, going against the 49ers, I expect their defense to suffocate them against the run. But I do think in the Cardinals offense, there's enough to give Rondell 90 targets. And that's scary considering the what he can do with just five touches. So I can only imagine his end zone, you know, red zone potential uh, with any more than that. Good point, because, I mean, they, they do have the fastest pace of play. So Okay. Do I start the Browns defense? who's playing against the high-powered Kansas City Chiefs, or do I play the Denver Broncos defense who are playing against the New York Giants? Oh, that's that's not even a question. Broncos all day. Oh, yeah. I think people don't understand like how powerful that defense is. Sertan, just, they got a playoff-caliber team. Right? You know, too bad they don't got the quarterback. But, yeah, that's the, that's the Broncos. Easy. Okay, so this is a Thursday night question. Do I play Amari Cooper, or do I start CeeDee Lamb? Give me a – I got to get CD, man. 
I don't think Cooper that helped. He hasn't done much this offseason. I'm gonna go with C D Lamb. C D Lamb was one of one of those dudes. I mean, we're gonna see a lot out of that guy this year. Okay. Who do I start at my flex? Daryl Henderson or Swift from Detroit Lions? Damn. I gotta go with <laughs> Henderson. Um the reason I'm gonna go with Henderson is based on the defense that uh Swift has to face in week one. Like you just said, they're gonna be going against the 49ers. They have um a heck of a defensive line, a heck of a linebacking core. So I wouldn't necessarily want um, Swift in a game that he may be easily worked into versus giving the full uh, workload, as you alluded to, based on his groin injury and the skill set of Williams. So again, week one, I'm going to have to fade uh, Smith. I mean, Swift, excuse me. Yeah, I'm going Henderson too, only because of the easier matchup. If this was a healthier Swift, I would take the I would take the risk. Be honest with you. Okay. Do I start Juju Smith Schuster or Jerry Judy? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Only because of the matchup, I'm gonna go Jerry Judy. Uh, but I honestly think this is his year. From what it's been going on during camp and just getting to see him like on the field during preseason, I think he's their best wide receiver. I think that was that wasn't a question last year, but he stood out and he's matured well into you know as far as a receiver. That's he's the best guy on the team. Period. I I, I like I definitely like Jerry Judy, and again, um, it's it's, it's matchup based. Um, when you're going against the Giants, start your guys. Uh, do I play Jarvis Landry or Jacoby Myers? <laughs> Great question. I absolutely love Jacoby Myers. There's a few reasons on this. So going up against Miami, Miami tends to play the Patriots pretty tough. Um, So I can see Jacoby getting that outlet pass from a Mac Jones early and often. Also, when considering Myers is going to be the de facto uh, Welker Edelman type. So if you're talking about a PPR situation, I believe his floor is going to be somewhere around 10 points. With the Cleveland Browns, I don't exactly know what they're going to do just yet. The reason the reason I say that is they're, they're obviously going to be a run-first team, but on top of it being a run-first team, you also have OBJ back. And with going against Kansas City, you might not be able to dink and dunk or, or, or give those little slot passes. They, they may have to go up top early and often to try to hold serve with uh, Kansas City. So I, I'm going to go with Myers over Landry, although Landry is the higher rated uh, or oh, higher yeah. ranked wide receiver oh yeah i'm taking jarvis easily um though i love myers he has proven with laundry's um track record he's been a top 15 fanny receiver receiver you know all but every year his floor and his consistency is going to always lead to him making a ton of catches and possibly finding the red zone more easier than not and playing i don't think this is a tough matchup because I think their running game kind of mitigates the air air raid that uh, the Chiefs put on. But I, I can definitely see Jarvis getting two scores easily against the Chiefs. And you don't think that the fact that they need to slow down the Chiefs is going to put maybe Hunt in a position to where he's getting those passes instead of Landry? Because you want to be in a position to run unless you catch them out of position. But uh, the Chiefs passing defense is horrendous. Like, they... <laughs> They love giving up 350-yard games easily. And to whom else but somebody who's averaging, you know, his career several passes a game. That's minimum, you know. I see it. I see it. Okay. So, but I love I love Myers. That's my guy. Okay, this is a tight end question. Do I play Eric Ebron or Evan Ingram? 
I believe Evan Ingram is hurt. I'm not exactly sure if he's actually even going to be ready to go this week. I know that they were saying a few days ago that he um, had some type of a, a injury in camp. And um, it's looking like, I think it was a calf injury, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it looks like he could miss the season opener versus the Broncos. So okay. I'm going to have to go with the healthy guy. Okay. Evan Ingram is out for me. Exactly. Just like X said, only, you know, because he's healthy, I got to go Ebron. I think, you know, even with the, his backup, I think the rookie going to put pressure on him later on in the season. He's still a surefire uh, touchdown easily. So might as well start him. Okay. Uh, do I start Matt Ryan or Jalen Hurts? Shit, that's a good matchup too. I got to go with Jalen Hurts. In fantasy, you always want to go with the – well, I won't say always, but you tend to want to go with the X factor. I believe Hurts has the higher upside um, due to his running capability. In a lot of leagues, your pass scoring touchdowns are worth four points and your rushing scoring touchdowns are worth six. So the fact that Hurts is more likely to run it in than he is to throw it in, and I actually get more points for that. And the points have to come from somewhere with this team um, because there aren't very many receivers that are, are you know, that can hold serve, in my humble opinion. Um, so I got to go with the upside of Hurts. I think he's going to have to put more on his shoulders than, than Matt Ryan's going to do. I, I like Matt Ryan. I, I mean, again, it's a one other thing where I agree with you with the player, where I do think Jalen uh, will definitely cash in, you know, possibly in the running game. But I just I feel like when we when we look at game script and what might happen, I like Matt Ryan against Eagles secondary a lot. And I think, you know, this is Mike Davis finally getting his reps, his uh, catches out the backfield. Uh, I think Ridley's going to go off. I don't care who's on that team. He's going to go off. And I think with Kyle Pitts, and I think they're going to finally unveil how they're going to use him in Arthur Smith's uh, offense. And if it's any indication of what he did with Juno in those eight red zone targets, this kid's about to get busy and have a monstrous game. I think easily Matt Ryan's coming out with 400 yards and, and maybe three touchdowns. And I should have saved that for a different segment but Matt Ryan about to go off okay for our last questions uh this is a flex spot question do I play Kareem Hunt or Damian Harris oh Oh, that's that's actually pretty easy for me Damian Harris is a starter Hunt is not it's pretty much that simple for me true but one thing also about playing from possibly playing from behind against yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs, like a high power offense like the Chiefs, uh, you may see a lot more Kareem Hunt. And he's also he's always play, he's playing against his old team here, so you know he's a little more motivated. The game is actually in Kansas City, so I know he's a lot more motivated to play well and get in the end zone. So, so. Let, let me go to the the opposite side of that <laughs> argument. The game that the Patriots in, they're likely to lead, which means that they're more likely to run in the entire fourth quarter. So you kind of got six and one and half a dozen in the other. I think if we're looking at a standard league versus a versus a PPR league, then I'm going to go ahead and go with I'll, I'll go with I'll go with hunting PPR. But right. that's a PPR that, question you know, for sure. Oh well, yeah. So so okay, I can understand that. I, I might go with hunt then if that's the case. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. I'm going to hunt all the way. I already know that they're going to run the ball at least 30 times. And out of that 30 times, he's going to easily get 10, maybe 15. And then when they're asked to uh, convert, you know, third down and it's third and long, I already know he's he can he can most likely take the receptions. He just has a – I don't know what it is. It's like Chubb is Chubb. He's going to always get the touchdowns. But it seems like they give Hunt more opportunities in the red zone a lot more as far as like being creative enough to do like run plays – 
to do like a little like you know uh halfback screen stuff like that they get more creative with him than they do with chubb but chubb always gets it done regardless of how you utilize him but hunt to me i think he provides a short touchdown opportunity quickly with harris is just like you got jj taylor you got james white and then ramon you know ramon J. stevens is a phenomenal back and i think he can get it done in the red zone it's like the four-headed monster the two-headed monster like i <laughs> I'd, rather go, <laughs> I'd rather go with hunt and that's your rapid fire 10 rapid fire 10 Say it with your chest. Bold predictions. Those things that we've come up with our mind that if everything goes the right way, we should be able to see some special things happen. I'll go ahead and kick it off with my first bold prediction. I like C.D. Lamb to actually overtake Cooper as the number one receiver by or before years in. That's definitely possible. I, I think he, in my eyes, I already see him as the top wide receiver. It's amazing to see his development. He reminds me a lot like DeAndre Hopkins. Like, seriously, like the, the way these contested catches and how physical he is, he's a beast. Like, so you call that bold? Just because Cooper's been the number one and he's projected to be the number one. So to be overtaken by the second-year player, I, I consider that to be pretty bold. I don't know. Hold, hold my beer on this one, all right? <laughs> Calvin Johnson set the record with 1,946 receiving yards back in 2012. Of course, everybody's okay. It'd be pretty hard for someone to beat that. Kevin really has an opportunity to get that this year. Mm. Okay. That's my bold prediction. Mm. This guy, um, his averages without Julio Jones, this guy's averaging 11 targets, 107 yards receiving. Mm. So, And don't forget, we have an extra week of football. This is true. So everybody so, has an extra week to, to break those records. Correct. So my bold prediction that Calvin really will push Calvin Johnson's single season receiving yard record. I like it. I like that one. I, I like that one. I think I'm going this to week one. I'm going to fire up Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he's going to have 100 yards and two touchdowns against the 49ers. So put that down. St. Brown, 100 yards, two touchdowns this week. My bold <laughs> prediction. What mm. makes you think it'll be St. Brown versus the same stat line for Hawkinson? Oh, Tyrell Williams. But see, I think uh, with him, his just is just how route house route savvy he is. I know like Cephas, and because you know that was my big thing last year with Cephas. But this kid, I think he's going to easily get past somebody for a bomb. And that's definitely the first touchdown. The second can easily come from, you know, a slant route or something like that. Like, that's just how electrifying this kid is. Like, unfortunately, preseason, we don't get enough of what they'll actually do and how to actually utilize him. But this guy, he has to be heavily targeted. And I think Williams is not questionable. I think he's already questionable going into this week. He's not healthy going into week one. But either way, this this is going to be Amon Rod St. Brown's team, not even by years in. I'll give it a few weeks, and they're going to already get him acclimated into the offense fully. I definitely don't see Hawkinson doing much this week. They're playing the 49ers, who has the best inside linebacker in football, in my opinion. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, my bad, Bobby Wagner, but you, it seems like you're coming in number two to my guy, Fred Warner. Uh, he's a, a, a excellent cover uh, cover of the, the tight end when it goes to passing down. So I don't see Hawkinson getting off too crazy this week. So that's why I guess the uh, Armand St. Brown, it's possible. My second bold prediction, going to the another wide receiver here, 
I believe that Cooper Cup is going to end up a top five wide receiver. Cooper Cup, mm. top five wide receiver. Logic behind it. He's he has the capability to to be one of the top notch. Uh, he he not only um, is a route runner, but he can also get past you. You give him a better quarterback in that same scheme that we all know to be just absolutely terrific for um, speedy wide receivers. And I believe just that little bit of an increase at quarterback may be enough to go ahead and nudge him a little bit forward to be one of the top-notch wide receivers in the game. So my second bold prediction is that Cooper Cup will be a top-five wide receiver this year. I like that one. Um, That's a lot more bold right there. Right. I'm getting warmed up. I'm getting warmed up. All right. On mine, the second one for me, I got Najee Harris will finish a top five running back this year. The first three weeks, man, come on, you got the Bills, you got the Raiders, you got the Bengals. And those guys finished 20th, 23rd, and 29th rushing, uh, allowing rushing yards last year. He also has the seventh easiest running back schedule based on fantasy points allowed by the position last year. And we know Pittsburgh gave their running backs volume, volume, volume. Truly one of the only three down backs we have left in the NFL. So I definitely see Najee Harris finishing a top five running back in uh, with his ADP, that's that's actually a pretty good pretty good pickup. Najee Harris. Oh yeah, I think Sam Darnold might sneak into the Pro Bowl this year. I, I think I'm gonna oh. go ahead and say it, considering the NFC quarterbacks we got in there. It's easy <laughs> to put, you know, Russell and Kyler in that conversation first. But I think Sam Darnold is going to have an impressive year. I think he closely fits what Joe Brady did with LSU. Not comparing the two, because I feel like uh, I like the throws a lot more from uh, Burrow, obviously. But I just think, you know, Sam Darnold has this nice trajectory and this nice velocity where he can put balls. <laughs> uh, he can put passes <laughs> in the right place, man. I just like. I, I, Spicy. When I, see, when I see some of his throws, he throws the ball very well. So he's a great thrower. And he has all the weapons. Right. Yeah, I just think with more Anderson and then Marshall and then Dan Arnold. But he's I think he's gonna do just as well, if not better, than Austin has done for the Panthers as well. So he has four viable off weapons, and I didn't mention McCaffrey. So <laughs> I think he can easily sneak into the playoffs this year. Okay, I mean, not playoff, but the Pro Bowl. So I I heard you name Russell, you named Kyler. So that means Aaron Rodgers, he'd be he'll be over Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford and making the Pro Bowl. Let's somebody got to lose. Like, like they said, let's put that on the board. Let's let's hear this. <laughs> hey, hey, I like it. That's bold. That's bold. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who else is gonna make it in there, but I definitely, I heavily think Sam Darnold can make it in there. Nice. I think he's gonna play a lot. I think he's Joe Brady's prototypical quarterback, aside from Burrow. Nice. My next one is kind of a two-parter. I believe that the Patriots will have 10-plus wins, and that will also put Mac Jones in route to being Rookie of the Year. So I have Mac Jones as Rookie of the Year, and I have the Patriots with 10-plus wins. Ooh. Okay, okay. Well, that's definitely possible. Okay, with this one, I have uh, Julio Jones will finish a top 10 wide receiver this year. Hmm. Now, of course, everybody fears. <laughs> that's the thing. Everybody fears his health. But the skill and the talent is there. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So I feel he's a little more motivated this year. This this is a guy you don't want to see second corners. 
So I hope defenses are running their first corner out there on AJ Brown and saying, "Okay, put our second corner on Julio." It's, it's man. You, know, you don't want to see your second corner on AJ Brown either. <laughs> Correct. So you really got to pick your poison, and also with the threat of Derrick Henry being the running back, it's there's going to be your some times can't help you. <laughs> right, and there's going to be a lot of play action passes. True. Um, and man, play action in the second corner on Julio. I think this mm. is going to be a breakout season for him. He he's in all the chattering. You know what I mean? It's a fresh start for him. And I think he want to come out and show people he still got it. So I'm going to say like Julio it. will finish a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy. I like it. Mm. So I'm going with another. I, I like rookies. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I think De'Ami Brown is going to be the wide receiver two for the Redskins, regardless of Curtis Samuel there or not. Mm. I just think this kid's skill set is really going to emerge. And he's really going to take over. He could possibly be a top 25, top 20 wide receiver. Just what Cuts Fitz Magic is going to be there to be able to toss the ball to him. So I definitely see him number a wide receiver too for the Redskins, top 20, top 25 receiver by seasons end, definitely. Nice. My last pick here. This some people may say it's not bold. Some people may say it's very bold. But I believe that this year. We are going to have something that has not happened who since I can recall. I, I don't know if it's ever happened, but I believe a rookie tight end, Mr. Cal Pitts, is actually going to end up being the number three tight end this year. Not number one, not number two. I don't think he's ready to overtake Kelsey. I don't think he's over. I don't think he's ready to overtake Waller, but I believe he's actually going to end up being a top three tight end this year. Mm. Mm. Okay. Wow. And, and who was that again? Pitts, on the board? Atlanta. Mm. I tell you what, my bold prediction, I'm going to piggyback off of you. Okay. I'm going to say Kyle Pitts is going to break every rookie tight end record this year. Wow. Okay. But And look, that would be necessary for him to end up at tight end number three. So that kind of, yeah, you're right. That That's definitely piggyback because both would need to happen for either to happen, I believe. Right. Mm. So mine, my last one going to be there's going to be two players, same team. I want to put Chase Edmonds as running back 10 finish this year. Ooh. Love him. I think his skill set is amazing. Like, it's McCaffrey, then it's Kamara, and then Edmonds sneakily has one of – he's he's a wide receiver playing running back. Ridiculous. And I think, obviously, he had, James Conner is not going to hold him back any this year. And to second that, I think Kyler Murray will definitely win MVP and take and actually help fantasy owners win their championships. And that's just crazy within itself, obviously, because he has the Lions and the Cowboys during the fantasy playoffs. And we already know what he's going to do. Like it, it goes without saying he's going to win MVP and he's going to help win people championships just by his playoff strength of schedule for the playoffs. And it's going to be accompanied by Chase Edmonds finishing a RB10 finish this year. Mm. I guess the main thing that I've been looking at um, when I've had the opportunity to draft Chase Edmonds is whether or not between his quarterback and his backup running back, James Conner, are they going to vulture so many touchdowns that unless you're in just a full-blown PPR league and they pepper him with targets, which they have a whole bunch of wide receivers now as well, I just – I guess I struggle to see where the volume is going to come from. With him, I think what his great skill set is, is that even with receivers, this guy has managed to get it done. Even last year, you know, like 
he had one game, I think he finished the second half with seven receptions just to close out the game. And that was just done playing from behind. But what he does, he is so explosive. He's a big play waiting to happen. And with them trying to just, you know, obviously you have four wide receivers. That's five. That's six. That's a six-man box, man. Five, if you're being generous considering how how thin they're going to spread the field, this guy's going to freaking eat. And he's a vulture. Even during the red zone, he was taking uh, plays from Drake last year in the red zone. I don't know if y'all guys recall. Anytime it was, you know, they playing from behind or the down and distance was inside the 20, if it wasn't right there at the goal line, Chase Edmonds in the play in the red zone. So he's highly featured in the red zone. James Conner is going to do what? Take first and second down? I don't care. I don't, I'm don't. i not drafting him for first and second down. It's a, it's a gimme if you give him some touches during those downs. What he does in the third down and what his explosiveness, he's going to cash in easily, if not 800 receiving, close to 900, uh, you know, running the ball. Double-digit touchdowns. He's going to easily crack top 10. It has to happen. Give me your Super Bowl prediction. What two teams are going to make the Super Bowl? I'll start off give you guys a couple seconds to ponder that. I'm ready. Okay, okay. I like it. I like it. It better not be the 49ers either. No, we're going to have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers facing the Cleveland Browns. That's a bold prediction. The Cleveland Browns will be the AFC representative this year. I actually don't have either one of those teams um, in the Super Bowl. I have the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, but I also have the Los Angeles Rams. So I believe the Rams now have everything that they need to go full throttle. And um, just after the, uh, I believe it's going to be a close Super Bowl, but I think that the Rams will actually prevail. Hmm. So you think the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl this year? I think the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl this year. They have mm-hmm. an elite defense, and the only thing that was missing from their offense being elite was a quarterback. So if Stafford can stay upright and breathing, which he normally toughs his way through injuries and things of that nature as they come anyway. So I honestly believe that this could be the year that they go ahead and break through and not only make it to the Super Bowl, but win it. Mm. Nice. I gotta again, say, that's my bold prediction. You know what? I think it's going to be Ravens versus Arizona in the Super Bowl. Mm. I, Ravens has always been one of those teams where, similar to how you know uh, Brady does it, where the team is figuring things out, okay. But then when it gets time for playoffs, the Ravens always seem to start playing playoff you know, a championship level of football towards the end of the season. And they're going to finally get Bateman back. They're going to finally get healthier uh, on the wide receiver core because we know Sammy going to get hurt. We know freaking Hollywood going to get hurt. And with Le'Veon Bell finally, I think Le'Veon Bell to me is like the last piece that really helped push them in. So I think the Ravens is going to have to beat, they're going to beat the Browns AFC championship. And then I think with Arizona, Arizona is locked and loaded. You know, you would wish they had, you know, uh, I think, what was it, uh, Butler retired on them. But even still, I love the cornerbacks they got. They they got a good secondary. And I just like the addition, obviously, of Watt to kind of bring that leadership, to kind of bring it full circle. And Chandler Jones on the opposite end kind of give that duo something to look forward to. And I think they got, you know, a serious uh, secondary now. And it's only been solidified. And I think they're going to have to beat the Packers to get there, but I think Arizona going to mop up with them and play the Ravens. Ooh, like it, like it. I'll give you one more. 
I believe in Dallas, they are actually going to have three wide receivers that end up being no worse than a number two wide receiver in fantasy. I believe they're going to have two number one wide receivers in fantasy. That's going to be Lamb and Cooper. And then Gallup is going to be a back-end wide receiver too. So I believe that entire Mm -hmm. wide receiving core is going to be more than up to par, which also means that I believe that Dak is going to be one of the top quarterback in the league this year. Um, Somewhere around quarterback, I I, I would put him around quarterback four. Mm. And again, these are bold predictions, but hey, that's that's, that's what I like. Their their defense just ain't quite there yet, so they're going to have to throw the ball and throw it early and often. Mine would be uh, Jack Doyle is going to be Winter's new Goddard. Jack Doyle was doing well before Phillip Rivers, obviously. But I think now having Wentz there and Wentz love his tight ends. Oh yeah, Jack Doyle is going to do what he got to do. Cause that that uh the other tight end, uh, which I'm not going to say because his name is is inappropriate. T E two. You don't you don't like uh, Mo Ali Cox? <laughs> yeah, I, ain't, I can't say his. I call him T E two man because <laughs> his last name. <laughs> you don't like Cox? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking. You don't have to be ashamed. I'm just asking. <laughs> no, nah, I don't like T too. Oh, okay. All right. I tell All you right. what, I, I'll make one final uh, bold prediction. Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon will become just the eighth combo of teammates to both rush for a thousand yards in the season. The last I, pair was Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. So I think these two guys can can make that happen. I see your um, Trey Sermon and Mostert. And I raise you, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. I'll, t- I'll take Ooh. that. I'll take okay. that. I'll take that back. In bold, bold. Okay. I'll definitely take that. <laughs> yeah. Damn, that's, that's that actually two. That's really possible for both teams. Definitely. Oh, shit. I believe that about wraps up our bold predictions. We are about to enter into the real deal. If you've enjoyed the show so far, and I can only assume you have because it's a great show. So, I mean, let's just be honest. Best fucking show. (laughs) Here's the thing, right? When we get into the season, if you've enjoyed what you've heard thus far, which is prognostication and predicting, you're definitely going to enjoy what we're able to provide for you once we actually see the product on the field because we are actually that much better at identifying things as they happen prior to the crowd noise kind of rising to that swell which is going to work out for you because as it pertains to your waiver wire as it pertains to people that you may want to go out and trade for as it pertains to people that you may want to go ahead and get rid of we're going to be able to give you all of that information in route to our fantasy championships throughout this year strap up get ready for the ride it's about to be an experience of a lifetime Y'all got any departing words for the people? Oh, yeah. To your point, definitely going to bring it each and every week and give so much content before even like Hubbard. Like we were just talking about a few shows. I even was saying Hubbard was going to it was already like a starting caliber backup. He's just on the right team. And look what you said today, X, about him now being the punt returner and kick returner and just having that much additional versatility to just take it to the house and be a returner. So we definitely going to bring everything before it happens. And it's just a fucking good show, man. I think, you know, we, we keep it real. We keep everything up front. We're blunt. We, you know, it's no bias. You know, we go at it. We're going to give you guys the best content within an hour. Definitely. I want to, uh, I want to go back to that Hubbard, that Hubbard thing earlier. Uh, do y'all feel the addition of Royce Freeman 
affects Hubbard? Definitely not. Not okay. at all. Okay. Uh, he he's a he's going to play the same role that he played with the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, Hubbard again. I mean, like, literally the same role. Yeah, Hubbard to me, if he was drafted by any other team, he would be a starter. It's just like I said, it's that Matt Rule played against this kid when he played in Oklahoma State, so he knew already. For example, like, like last year was a was not a good year for him, but it was a lot of factors into why. His year wasn't that great. Had his tape been any better, we're talking about him possibly going in the second round, maybe the first round, possibly the, the first back taken, if not for what the tape, you know, and the injuries that happened. If in the event, knock on wood, Kishman Cranston get hurt, we're looking at a top 15 running back because of his skill set, because of how they're going to use him. Chris Johnson is the only person I can ever think of that has that kind of breakaway speed to take it to the house and nobody's catching them. Hubbard has that. We'll be back to you here in just a couple of days. Stick with us. Tell your friends about us. It's okay to tell your friends about us, okay? I know a lot of times when you find a gym, you want to hold it to yourself, but I promise you, everything's going to work out right. <laughs> everything's going to work <laughs> out right for everybody. Tell your friends, send them a link, all that kind of good stuff. But we're going to keep bringing the heat. Y'all be easy. We out.